why he's bald. <laughs> kid is like 22, dude. I think he that, is that, method actor. So theory yeah, on yeah, yeah, super, super method. This super is method. this is some expert analysis. <laughs> no, but what I was going to tell you too was the fact Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Panditri and a Pint where a couple of average blokes are having above average football conversations. Joining me on the podcast today is Vaishnav, Akshat and Pope. And let's get straight into it, guys. The Champions League is back and uh, so is all the drama that is associated with it. We were fortunate enough to watch uh, uh, a really, really good game uh, of PSG in Barcelona. Super high intensity and we saw a world-class performance from um, Mbappe who just seems to be getting into uh, onto the path of being a, a legend. Um he absolutely dominated that Barcelona team and it was bittersweet because we saw such a young player doing so well and on the other hand, on in the other team, we saw Leo Messi who's probably now played his last game of the Champions League in, in the Camp Nou, uh, which is very sad to see. It's like uh, the guard is shifting, the tide is turning and uh, we are coming close to the end of a very, very golden era that we as football fans have been supremely lucky to watch. Apart from that, the very next day, we saw another masterclass by Haaland, who again scored another hat-trick for Borussia Dortmund against Sevilla. And uh, it's great to see that uh, we have these two young players that are lighting up the Champions League. Uh, let's go ahead and bring uh, Vaishnav into this podcast. Hello, Vaishnav. What did you think of the games? That picture that I think has gone sort of viral on social media of uh, PK <laughs> desperately tugging back on Mbappe, Mbappe's shirt as he's broken away from him. Uh, that summed up the game. Uh, Barca have been a super... <clears throat> I mean, they've probably been one of the best sides I've ever watched play. And I guess when you say the old guard giving you know way for the new... It's very poignant here because you've got people like Busquets, Messi, and who else was in that uh, from the Champions League winning teams. I can't remember, but basically a very old and PK and PK, <laughs> the man who got blasted by Mbappe. But this is, I mean, it's sad to see, but it was inevitable. And uh, I think um, the direction that modern football is taking these young footballers is super exciting. Not that Messi and Ronaldo weren't putting up these numbers as youth players, but I mean, the explosiveness of some of these players is just, it's insane. It's so much fun. Uh, yeah, and uh, surprisingly, all the comparisons have already started, right? I mean, we saw uh, Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, they were still battling it out on the field and now we're talking about Haaland and Mbappe. Uh, I don't know how um, true these comparisons can be, uh, especially with the kind of consistency that we've seen in the playing styles of Ronaldo and Messi, right? Uh, uh, even though Messi was only at one club throughout the majority of his career, he was incredibly... The entirety consistent. of his career. Yeah. Like, his entire entire career. His career yeah. <laughs> so, uh, far. so, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm trying to say. I, I don't know if it's fair to draw these kind of comparisons so early on with uh, such young players. Undoubtedly, they're like supreme talents, right? And even uh, the, the uh, scene and the environment of football has changed. So, you expect your players to have a longer... Um, shelf life as a player at a higher level with more consistency. But if you see the stats, uh, it was, I think, Mbappe has to score 34 goals, 36 goals uh, every season. 49. 49. 49. 49 for how many years? 18 years. Till he's 35. Like, until he reaches 15 odd years. 
Borussia Dortmund is uh, obviously a much smaller team uh, with all due respect to PSG. But uh, do you see? Do you say Dortmund are a smaller team than PSG? Yeah, relatively smaller, man. Like in terms of money, infrastructure. I think we have more fans in France, so I guess that works. More listeners in France. I don't think we have that many in Germany. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> I know what I. Oh come on! If I mean France, PSG are the biggest team in France, and Dortmund are not the biggest team in Germany. So yeah, but France are by far the. I mean, I would say even Serie A is. now at least more competitive than france so it's the least competitive product in terms of a domestic league among the five and they have leagues, yeah. some of the best players no but but, but that is actually interesting I, i get where amar is coming from it's an interesting question if someone moves from dortmund to psg would you see it as a step down because when neymar moved from uh, barca to psg no, i think amar is right that way i think that's a st- step up yeah. like at least in terms of your you know just yearly accolades and what because it, let's not i mean this year is a little tight but you basically have one or two domestic trophies and competing in europe more or less always in the knockout stages so that's a pretty decent i mean that's a guaranteed season so that's that's really good dortmund that but might come back to amar's question uh, definitely i see haaland moving on because dortmund it's that it's not in dortmund's business model to keep players for that long unless you're like a royce or somebody like that and Yeah, but I think Dortmund have uh, fucked themselves over. I don't think they can lose players like Haaland, uh, uh, Sancho, Giorena. They've got a lot of players that other teams want and are going to want but, now in this summer because they're not going to get Champions League football, maybe. So I I, I don't know how easy it is for them to let uh, go. Of their like assets. if anyone can get away with selling those players of that uh, status and still managing to relatively do the do. what they've been doing for all these years i think it's dortmund cuz like they've been doing this for so long like they've been buying players of that age and then making them making them into stars and then right. selling I mean, them on right everyone i just named they've basically done that way but i think there's got a there's way more competition in the bundesliga now than there was 5 years ago so i don't yeah, think I mean, it's as easy to do it. but then they do have some really good young players like i don't think giorena jude bellingham i don't think these guys are going to go anytime soon they're really young but yeah. halan sancho those are two big names so you know if you lose them that's a big deal and and the thing with haland is they they kind of knew what they were getting into because um mino raiola made it very clear that he's only going to sign with a club which is going to agree to a release clause that's, of yeah. i i forget it see the 85 or 90 million yeah, release okay. yeah okay. and that release clause is actually I mean, being activated next summer so summer 2022 is when that release clause gets activated okay. so i mean if uh, if um one of the clubs the big clubs decides that they want to preempt a move they can go from this summer or it can just turn into an all out bid- bidding war um in the next summer right you pay the 85 million and then raiola gets rich making his agent fees you know whoever pays him the most money he goes to that club right yeah. so um I-, i think there's going to be just because of release clause there's just going to be way too much competition um by other clubs for dortmund to convince haaland to stay um especially if the likes of jaden sancho as you said leave how do you convince a player like haaland that you're building something in at dortmund when you're letting people like sancho leave right who's the guy who's going to be putting all the goals on him for a play uh, for, to to finish so um yeah i think haaland is just a matter of time there's no way he's going to stay beyond next year um, in my view um, about mbappe it's 
I mean, it's really interesting because there's no question of the interest in Mbappe. There's no question about the talent. Everyone knows he's a superstar. He's a guaranteed, in my view, Ballon d'Or winner in the future. But the clubs who were mm-hmm. interested in him yeah, just yeah. don't seem to be able to afford him anymore. Um, Real Madrid, especially. I, and Barca, yeah. It, it was kind of nailed on. He'll go to one of these two clubs, but these two clubs can't afford him. Bayern is not going to spend that much money on him. Um, City, if the Messi deal goes through, this even they can't avoid the kind of FFP sanctions of getting Messi and Mbappe in the same team. So, yeah, shit, shit, shit. Okay, no, cancel that. I mean, but yeah, I mean, who's going to buy him? And PSG are going to take a massive sum for him. They're not going to let this guy go for, you know... A but his, so. his contract is running out soon, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, 2022, 2023. But then you, that's what you would risk losing him for free on his like in his prime, you know, essentially in his prime at that time. So yeah, that's that that's like five a.m. football manager blunders. That's not gonna happen, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they have an extension yeah. already. Yeah, he has he has a contract till 2022. Um, I think with the option of an extension, so. So, effectively yeah. three years. 22, basically. Okay, or two years, whatever. I think something yeah, okay. that's really years, interesting yeah. is, um, so, the Premier League has been really, I mean, we're Premier League fans at the end of the day. The, most of the football we watch is there. And it was awesome to have one of the best players of all time grace the league and our club, <laughs> at least for the three of us, for some time. And even though he was nowhere close to what he became, it was awesome to see Cristiano week in, week out. And I think we have a this unique possibility to possibly see Haaland and Mbappe grow into the players they will be in the most competitive league in the world. But I think, I don't see Haaland ever being the type of person who wants to stay at one club. Uh, He's a mercenary for hire and he's just incredibly talented so he wants the most money he can get. And I mean, that's great. Everyone does that in their job. I think Mbappe is a little trickier. He won France's first World Cup in a long time. He's essentially Thierry Henry reborn but doesn't have hair some reason I don't know why he's bald. <laughs> the kid is like twenty-two, dude. <laughs> I think he that, is that, method actor. So theory yeah, on yeah, really super super method. This super is method. this is some expert <laughs> analysis. Dude. No, but what I was going to tell you too is the fact that he's French. So just the fact that he's French means he, you know, if you're a Brazilian or a Spaniard, or I mean, the English don't go to France that much. But essentially, if you're from South America or from Southern Europe and you're playing in France, it's typically a gateway to one of the other four European leagues. Because you're not from France, so it's you're using that as a bridge. But True, if you're yeah. French and you're playing the French capital for a team that is competing in the Champions League now, I mean, do you leave? Maybe not. And especially now, dude, if Neymar leaves and Mbappe leave, Ligue is as it is. They're basically they're selling a puppet show. And like when those two leave, I don't know what they're gonna be selling. So the entire league gets destroyed. So. Mbappe is a tricky situation, but I, I completely agree with Akshat. I think Haaland is gone in a year. I don't think he's staying in Dortmund for very long. But I think Mbappe has also very publicly uh, said yeah. that he wants to join Madrid at some point in his career. Right? Yeah, and yeah. It's yep, not. Yep. He's not said that. Okay, I am from France. Paris is my home team. I want to stay here till the end. He's never. He's never given that sort of inclination as well. One thing I noticed in that uh, Sevilla game, like Holland. It, it seems like like the defenders keep backing off him, like that shit scared of him when he starts running with the ball. It's like it, it's like when you see defenders against like Lewandowski or somebody like that, like, yeah. and he's only what like twenty twenty one right now. Imagine like at that age, being able to show that kind of aura around him and then try to 
scare the shit out of defenders is that's really true you're right you're right cuz yeah young players i mean they're tricky they're exciting but very rarely does an opposition have to set up to block that one particular player um and in the case of both uh, holland and mbappe um it the opposition literally says that this is the key player in the team we have to stop and it's very rare for someone um, under the age of 23 to even you know hold that kind of fear or respect um in in the opposition's eyes that's the difference between haland and mbappe for me cuz like haland looks like this elite goal scorer but mbappe yeah. has more to his game like in the sense that he he can he can also be the player linking up the player providing yeah. the assists as well He, but you know, i think mbappe can do what halan can do but halan can't do what mbappe can't do what mbappe yeah i mean mbappe seems like theory on re but with like like 20 20 times more 20% more but pace than on like a walking terminator man the the yeah yeah, yeah. if you if you draw the comparisons between arnold schwarzenegger's terminator and erling halan i don't think you'll find a lot of differences to be honest yeah <laughs> he true. looks intimidating but i don't think that matters <laughs> as much amar like i get what you're saying just physicality in the box i i don't think mbappe is a slouch and i don't think he's got by far better feet than haland and i think he's a like poset he can play in the number 10 as well oh. so for me if you can play in the number 10 and you're so explosive that means you have the athletic ability but also that sort of more than technical ability that we've talked about it before that sort of la pause trait right of being able to yeah. see the game before the angles appear and i think mbappe has that more than haland does and obviously what he has what three years on haland i think no that's haland that's not true i don't, I don't think mbappe. i don't think mbappe yeah. has that kind of finesse in his shooting than what haland does and And yeah, that, that ability to play definitely. a number nine to definitely. tower above his opponents for the header—I don't think Mbappe can do that. So I mean, of course. But but also um, in Haaland's favor, I would say that he has the more um, more of a poacher's instinct than Mbappe. He knows where to position himself in the box as compared to Mbappe. I think finishing by Haaland might just take it, but Mbappe, Mbappe is an incredible finisher as well. I mean, they're both. for me they're both mm, really really top class um, finishers when you um, when you watch haland it's more like he has explosive power with yeah. like with every shot he takes it's, it's not like more than finesse or anything it just, it just seems like the ball rifles in that every single uh, time oh when you when you brought up the point of uh, you know defenders backing off uh, haland and giving him that kind of space to shoot um it, it sort of reminds me of what ibra is doing this season as well i mean i'm following the serie a lot with how especially milan are playing and even if you saw with an experienced well drilled team in the in the milan derby in the in the coppa italia in the semi finals when ibra received the ball you had two players who were always moving back instead of closing him down and then he got all the time and space in the world to pinpoint his shot directly at exactly where he wanted to and it's super interesting because ibra is what 38 39 he is at the like at the twilight of his career right he's still scoring goals he has that sort of yeah i mean he has that sort of aura and that presence he has that intimidating factor you know so that it's it's i mean no, you can agree with the defenders to back off a little but haland being so young um fairly inexperienced having that sort of um, uh it's, creating that sort of vibe i think it's also the athleticism right like if mbappe or haland get a yard on you you can't catch them you you just cannot physically catch up to them and when they have that yard on you 9 out of 10 times especially in alan's case he's going to score 
so i feel like that is also a big deal like uh, one very good example for me especially with this sort of you know defensive reactions is jamie vardy because you see teams have a super you know they have a conundrum when you play leicester because leicester are as comfortable without the ball as they are. i know this is sort of a tangent but it sort of ties in yeah. it's it's some real, i think it's van nistelrooy or someone some really good striker talking about how when you're playing with a new defender who you haven't played with before you can get in their head by firstly when you're playing like as a nine like the traditional nine you have your hand out behind your back as you're receiving your ball with your back to goal and if you can't feel the defender right behind you you know he's giving you a yard and you do that a couple of times when you're getting the ball and you're starting to settle yourself in the game and then when you if you put your hand out and you feel the defender come touch tight that's when you know this man is trying to come tight on you and that's when you can start doing things you can start spinning him you can start leaving the ball for someone else because you know what the defender is going to do so it's sort of you know for me mbappe and haland have that where they are blistering so you don't know what to do i can drop off drop off drop off and expect someone from behind him to come pinch the ball or i can try to step up but if i step up especially in mbappe's case he can find a pass in halan's case he can just push me out of the way and just blast past me so i feel like that's a big deal the intimidation is not just the fact that it's ibrahimovic or ronaldo but their supreme athletic ability how many times have we seen players back off cristiano as he's driving into the box messi maybe not as much because they're just left flat footed but with cristiano he's given 5 or 10 yards to get to the top speed and then defenders don't know what to do So I feel like that's super similar because you can't give them a yard. You're dead. Like they're gonna rinse you and they're gonna fly past you. Since we're talking about like defenders backing off, like the first thing that comes to my mind, I don't know if you guys remember this, like the Hazard goal versus Arsenal, like versus Arsenal, like way, I think it was around 2015. Kozelny is backing off, backing off, backing off. The Hazard just keeps running at him, man. Keeps running at him, and then finally tucks it in past Pedrček. You knew. That was a beautiful goal, but then you knew what was coming as soon as Koscielny started backing off. You knew what Hazard was going to do. It's with these kind of players at this like elite level, you know what's going to happen. Like once you, but then do you guys think that we're over? Like since Mbappe and Haaland have been um, so much in the news in like everyone's minds right now, do you think we're kind of skipping out on Neymar? Because according to me he's he still he still belongs up there cuz like i test i test and like the stats i still feel he's up there mate but but in terms of the i test that way i mean these footballers are very very technically skilled a lot of them for me satisfy the i test do they can do things like true but then neymar stands out for me like, i don't know why it's true like he has something in him that joga bonito thing it's true it's there that's undeniable i think I, i agree with you but for me it again comes back to the original point we talked about it's that players peak can be as good as the best player ever right and i think neymar fits that category perfectly where his peak can match with messi and ronaldo no, i, I don't believe that it, msn I don't believe that. Probably. Probably. probably, I would. I would say MSN is fair. Yeah. The closest but, 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 we've seen my, my point to like Messi or Ronaldo, it has to be Neymar for me in the last. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But but it still comes back to the point that you have to be consistent year in year out. And Neymar, it's not been his fault. He's been injured. But that also, I mean, you have to be consistent in staying on the pitch, right? It's it's not just a fact of your performances. But that, listen, we say that he's not been consistent. But if you look at his numbers, it's astonishing. No, I I agree. Like I agree that if he's on the pitch, he's amazing. But consistency is also staying on the pitch as long as possible, right? You can't compare yourself to a person like a Messi, a Messi or Ronaldo, 
who have played those many games in their career and have delivered those many games in their career. Right, eh? right. But they've been super lucky. I can't. I can think of maybe one serious injury that Ronaldo has gotten, and, and not that many that Messi has gotten. And that's like so lucky, right? I'm being perfectly honest, Vaishnav. I used to think it was luck, but I right now I think it's just supreme conditioning. The fact that they're oh, still doing it, it right now. Of course, now, it is. No, but there is some luck in there as well. Involved as well, Lakshad, definitely. Like if you're a professional player, you do all like you can in your hands to try to like maximize your output and maximize your minutes in a in a season, right? So like sometimes even if you try your utmost, like there are some like it it just happens like out of the blue. You can never expect it. But then there's also this like on the flip side, there's also this thing where certain players are conditioned in a way like they're bought up or it's just there in their genes that. They they don't get injured that easily. Like if you look at Aubameyang, his he's barely got injured at all in his entire career, and he's played like forty fifty games every single year, year on year, and he give you that hundred percent every game, and you won't see fatigue and things like that. So certain players have it within themselves, and certain players even if they try their utmost, they still end up. Yeah, injured, I, I I would I would I would agree with you, but see, I'm not saying that. um neymar doesn't deserve to be in the conversation because he isn't keeping himself fit um that of course it is supremely lucky he gets tackled a lot he gets injured through mostly through contact um injuries right it's not like he's getting a uh, muscle strains and all of that so um it's just that through no fault of his own i'll never consider him in the same echelon as uh, a messi and a ronaldo um be- simply because he's not Been on the pitch long enough. I mean, it's. I know he's 27 now. Honestly, guys, I I don't think I don't think it's it's uh, uh, his luck that has anything to do with in this conversation. Because come on now, he's been at PSG for quite a long period of time, right? And we didn't see that happening often at Barca, where uh, he is injured every maybe three or four months and he misses out a spell. I don't think that happened very often at Barcelona. Um. At PSG, I mean, there have been some reports. But uh, he was there for only like what four years? years? He was at Barca for three or four years. Three years. But there, there, I mean, there have been reports in his PSG contract of how easy he's gotten it, right? I mean, uh, one thing that I read was he is he has full discretion of the owner's private jet um, to use whenever he wants to. Sometimes he skips games that are not important. I think so. he has his own private jet, so I don't think his you know, issue is transport. They were talking transport. about this on the Info podcast. Okay. <laughs> do you think his off-the-field antics have anything to do, like do with the his perception among fans? Definitely, like, no, definitely. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not putting your head down, if you're not training hard enough. If you're not doing the yards of training, you're going to you're bound to get injured during the you're game. You're right. You're right. Okay, but I mean, okay. So this is sort of a romantic take, but gone is the day of the sort of journeyman footballer who just played to play, you know, and who didn't really care about the week in between. Because like you've got, um, I think it was Carlo Ancelotti or someone, and they were managing Rivaldo. Uh, and Rivaldo had this thing where every year he would go for the carnival in Brazil because it's the carnival, and he yes. had to. And they were playing, yes, I think, yes. Real. <clears throat> and while, oh no, I, I don't. Was it Ancelotti? I don't think he's ever managed Barca. Okay, whoever it was, it was no, a very. No, it wasn't Ancelotti. It wasn't Ancelotti, but it was Rivaldo. Yeah, it I know it was Rivaldo for sure because like Rivaldo, but like whatever. So he tells the coach, you know, I want to go for Carnival. Coach is like, dude, you score one goal and then we'll figure it out. Scores twice in twenty minutes. Says coach, my plane is leaving in an hour. I need to get out of here. Walks off the pitch. Is in the plane. Is in Brazil that evening. But like, so you have footballers like that. You have. 
Pirlo, dude, playing PlayStation in the afternoon, winning the World Cup in the evening. So you have footballers who sort of transcend this need of, you know, it's my job and I need to do it. And you have these people who are just so good at it that it doesn't matter. So I, I completely agree with what Poe said. Neymar sometimes looks like he belongs on a different pitch. But this is sort of the weekly punditry of on, on a pint hot take. I think Lewandowski is closer to Cristiano and Messi than Neymar is. I totally agree. And I think... I totally. Agree. I would agree. I would agree and too. You know what's Zlatan sad? Also, maybe in in, in the previous I would agree also. with that. Because Latan is sort of you know at this I point he's just playing. You know he he doesn't reach that level. Maybe very close. He, for me, he would be that lower, just lower rung of player if that even exists. All these guys are incredible players, right? But I think Neymar moving to PSG was very much a double-edged sword. I do not think it's worked out the way he would have wanted it to work out. And I think just because of the way that Lewandowski has taken European football by the ball sack, he is definitely for me, in terms of, your, if you're going to say top three players right now, he has to be there. I agree. I don't yeah. think... But listen, like, are you like basing this entirely on his uh, contributions in terms of like how it affects the game, uh, as in like the scoreline right. or, but Not are you looking at the whole right? game in the, like, the what build up of the goal as well? What has he won? He's won nearly everything that is to win. Like, but has he though? He's won the La Liga. He's won the Champions League. He's won Liga, which doesn't oh, count. Oh, you're talking about Neymar. I thought you were talking about Neymar. Uh, yeah. but, exactly. Like, <laughs> but, but listen, no, no, but listen. Uh, when you consider Lewandowski in that same topic, he's an elite goal scorer. But then I wouldn't mm-hmm. put, that, put him in the same bracket as Messi or Ronaldo because... I think like, that's because you're sort of these shaded tints of maybe he's not as good technically, which maybe I'd give you. Because he might not be as yeah, fun to watch as a Messi or an Neymar. But man... Also, like, leading up to the goal, his contributions, I don't think it affects the game as much as like a Messi or Ronaldo. He, in the penalty box... Listen, in the penalty box, he is the king. Like, no one can come close to him. But then the build-up up till there, I don't think like he... But there's a lot There's a lot of the build-up part that is related to when you don't have the ball and how you're drawing defenders out. Like, true, he might not get as many touches in the build-up. But then he's maybe drawing two centre-backs out and giving the space for a midfielder like Leroy Sano Nabri to run inside. Which I think is an essential part of Bayern's game where... The two wingers are running inside and then the two full-backs are doing the overlapping runs. Especially last year, I think when uh, Hansi Flick, right? That's the coach's name. And he came in, I think, as uh, after they sacked Kovac or something. Yeah. I, I remember he came in after yeah. someone got Co- sacked. And one of the... Yeah, Kovac. And it was sort of the resurgence of Thomas Muller because he wasn't sort of in the limelight for the last year. And a lot of that was because of how him and Lewandowski was able to play that sort of Rom Deuter and Falls 9 and number 9 role. So, Lewandowski can give a lot. I get what you're saying, Po, though. Like, I don't take your point lightly. I mean, Neymar was one of my favorite players when I watched him on YouTube <laughs> for the first time, right? <laughs> like, when, him, when him and Hazard were... It was just beautiful. Dude, when Hazard was at Lille like, and when uh, Neymar was at he Santos... He was the first YouTube... Like, the, the first footballer who made it big on YouTube, yeah, wasn't he? he? Like, yeah. the YouTube football... He is the YouTube footballer. Yeah, yeah. He is the YouTube... That, that, that rainbow he does at the corner touchline for Santos and there's guys sitting in the crowd and you can see them all stand up at the same time and do this. It's For me, that is my favourite YouTube clip. His, his Puskas oh. goal, dude, do you remember? He absolutely murdered that defender to score. He drags it across him and then goes around him and sna- snaps it in. Yeah, I remember that goal. Holy yeah. shit. But, 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 okay, I just want to make this final point. Um, so, I'm just looking at uh, Neymar's stats in the league, okay? From 20... Okay, let, let me just take it to the PSG days. 
um in from the 2017 2018 season he has scored 19 goals 15 goals 13 goals and now six goals this season um and he hasn't played more than 20 le- um, league games in a season now i'm going to compare that to lewandowski who in his last five seasons has okay let me take back 15 16 he's played more than 30 games every season and he scored 30 30 29 22 34 and 26 already this year these are fifa so, numbers dude. that's just it for me <laughs> these are fifa yeah no, it's it's crazy yeah yeah so th- th- for me that's what takes mm-hmm. it that's what takes it the fact that he's able to play 30 games a season and score these many goals as compared to Ray- to neymar who is incredible when he plays but he's playing just half the games in a season um that is why i always much better if he stayed at barcelona dude i think he would have generally rivaled messi's status as the goat if he stayed at barcelona Barca have a romantic history in it. Yeah, game. yeah. I mean, no. I mean, let, let's face oh. it. He, he. I, I'm not doubting that Neymar would have done the same thing Barcelona because I honestly believe he'll be, maybe had the same definitely, output. Definitely, definitely. With the way all three yeah. were playing at that point of time, it looked like you know they're going to take. If any team could come close yeah. to that Madrid uh, uh, three consecutive Champions League victories, I think it's the Barcelona with the MSN. If the MSN had stayed for longer. some of the best football like honestly some of the best football i've seen and i'm talking about someone who's watched barca play at 2011 and 2008 actually you mentioned uh, goal scorers right like the amount of goals in, uh, neymar and lewandowski has scored there was this interesting stat that sky pulled up uh, bt pulled up when like during the arsenal uh, leeds game last week uh, like the top european goal scorers since 2009 you can guess the top two there like Uh, Ronaldo, Messi, and then for like it's followed by Cavani, Alba, Lewandowski, and most Suarez and Aguero. Most of these players are about thirty, right? Like so, we see in this kind of trend where like like usually you would you would expect a drop off in the number of goals scored like once they hit that particular age. We're seeing that trend kind of shift because like lots of these like. before cavani came to the premier league everyone kind of wrote him off saying that he can't produce the same number like he can't influence the game the same way he did when he was at psg or when he was at napoli before that yeah so yeah. there's this kind of like change shift in that trend i'd say and now you're seeing alba uh, score you're seeing suarez kill it at atletico you're see, and you're seeing lewandowski still doing what he does best and like so that was really interesting something like that popped up in my Uh, no, but that's uh, that again comes down to the point that I made before that with the environment of football changing, there is you can expect a player's like uh, career lifespan to be increased because of purely the amount of conditioning and work that they're doing uh, in the training grounds, right? So, but Amar, it, it's more than that. I think I I get what Paul's saying. It, it's not just that the shelf life of players has increased. It's the fact that the peak is more prolonged, and the peak is coming at a much later stage in the career than what we were used to. Because a striker's peak would end, would be somewhere around twenty six to thirty normally. But I would say right now, from the evidence which Paul has given, those strikers. you can extend that to their peak going all the way up to 33 maybe even 34 years of age because people like suarez cavani okay, but, but like here it's, it's a very free, interesting but, conundrum because there's a big yeah. difference between goal scoring peak and uh, just general yeah. physicality peak right i mean we're not seeing suarez making those run in run behind we've seen aguero lost but, a lot but of but what matters to you but what matters to you i mean i don't care what a player's physical peak is i care he should be at my club when he's at his goal scoring peak i don't 
um i don't mind if he's not at his physical peak right because um, exactly but i think i think with that with that sort of experience I, I of playing so long i feel that's a good the player is like suarez is for example cuz yeah like his the way he's adapted his style of play to change yeah. depending on the on his age right because he before he used to make those run ins from be, behind like before the penalty box he used to contribute a lot in, like in the build up as well suarez had this like immaculate touch and he was really good like with his like with his feet now he's just converted into this pure penalty box striker who just stays there and knows what to do no but that's, like, that's a clear of, that's a clear instruction from Demi, uh, diego simeone yeah. if you see the way yeah. atletico playing I mean, the instruction is: you stay in that box. We will do the defending. We will do the build-up. You have to score us the goals. That's not how it would have been at Barcelona. At Barcelona, you would have to you would have to be a lot more heavily involved in the build-up play, feeding off Messi or playing Messi, you know, whatever it is. So, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, with Suarez, what we're seeing this season, I think, is because of the way they set up. They made the entire team around him, and then they have Joao Felix, who's who is a perfect partner for for Luis Suarez to do the running right yeah and also one more i remember with this uh, i heard this somewhere in one of one of the podcasts i listened to i don't remember where but uh, i it's this thing is really interesting cuz uh, when you look at suarez he's the top goal scorer in uh, la liga right now but when you look at the amount of chances he's received and the number of shots he's taken he's somewhere like around 10th or 11th but he's like it just shows the number like it it just shows that as a striker these elite strikers it's not about the how much of their chances that they convert but it's like more of the fact that they receive so many chances and they don't get faced by the fact that they miss so many chances as well like you see lots of strikers yeah. getting missing strike like chances but and then they get affected by that particular like miss and you see them like kind of uh, drop down in the in the remaining part of the game but these elite strikers they just know that they're going to get another chance and it's just like the fact that you get more chances you like there's you just need to take one chance right to like make a difference it doesn't matter how many you miss so that was really interesting like completely out of context but it stuck Come, coming back really to akshat's question though which player would you want to have in your team i think i would want to have that lewandowski that got five, that scored five goals in 10 minutes that's the kind of striker that i want The one that Pep had to, Pep was looking on in disbelief, and Pep is looking on at you like that. You. I mean, he's rubbing his head, bald head. Oh my god! He's like, I've created a monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine someone who's seen Messi play day in day out. Yeah. Be speechless. <laughs> Not just Messi as well. No, he played with some incredible players during his day. But I mean, I mean yeah. For me, that that's yeah. sort of yeah. an underrated aspect of what might be, you know, a striker's. base skill set for lack of a better term because i mean yeah there are 99 things you can do around goal scoring but like akshat said at the end of the day what matters to you i mean <laughs> i don't care how many nutmegs you got dude passing completed like what okay yards run okay dude xg <laughs> cool man but i mean it depends on how much score how many how many guys you <laughs> fuck you akshat how many go how many times you put the ball in the back of the net you know it's for me that killer instinct especially at the height of their powers zlatan aguero vardy suarez you know so many strikers they just get better and better and better with age especially if they're playing in the right system it's it's awesome okay can i shift the topic to uh, var i mean it feels uh, like no. we talk about var oh, every no, single week <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Oh, here we go. You know, I actually had this written down when it happened. Uh, like every week, there's something. I talked about the Leeds and Wolves uh, game yesterday. Nah, yeah. no, I'm I'm going back up behind. Like I'm going to the. Dude, I think we need to like have a segment uh, called VAR therapy, like so that we can just talk about how VAR has affected. VAR this week, yeah, we should do that. VAR this, this week. week, okay, yeah, we should <laughs> definitely. Okay, so this like this week's part of VAR <laughs> this week, uh, like the Arsenal Leeds game, there was this um, there was this moment where Saka just was really explosive, he had this burst of pace, acceleration, and then he just beat like. This is uh, an excuse to rate Saka on the pod. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can say that, but then listen, listen to what I'm coming to. Unnecessary uh, the like, adjectives <laughs> being used. Okay. <laughs> listen to this. Okay. So Cooper, like uh, from Leeds, he brings Saka down inside the penalty box and the referee immediately gives, like calls it a pen, gives oh, it. Yes, I saw now this, okay. what we've seen, mm-hmm. now what we've seen before is like when a referee makes a like, gives a penalty decision, it's very rare for VAR to overturn it unless it's a clear and obvious error. Yeah. But what happened was it went to VAR like, and it did get overturned, although like, in previous cases, that definitely would not have been overturned. That was more like a 50-50 case mm. and they never and they would have stayed with the referee's decision. Yeah, because right. yeah. VAR is not there to re-referee decisions. right? It's just That's what we're being told. Clear and obvious. <laughs> yeah. It's just there for clear and obvious errors. Mm-hmm. So if you did, if you guys did watch it, what do you guys think of it? I, I I'm mm-hmm. done, man. Yeah, Honestly, like I, I, you guys know this, like on the group chat, I lost it after the Suchek thing. Like from that moment on, I was like, I'm done. Var, var is done. I, I, I it's, it's exhausting talking. You know, about it's it. funny though. It, this is sort of the easiest time. I mean, if you could, in a lab, make the perfect test environment for VAR, it would be right now, and they're fucking it up so badly. Yeah. Like you don't have fans in stadium whistling yeah. every yeah. time you're screwing around. You can do. You have. It's it's a controlled environment. You have so much control in terms of the variables, and you're still fucking it up like this. I don't know, dude. I I, no, I can't imagine fans. No, and, and I agree with Bo. Like they they just keep shifting the goalposts about this man. First it was yeah, like really you have to like you know prove it in a court of law, and that's the only that then and only then will I cha- overturn the decision. And now it's like, you know, if you remember handballs, the start of the season. Yeah, man. Fuck, that also feels like VAR has aged me, dude. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of feels like they're trying to overcompensate for that. Pre- like the mistakes previously done, like, like this yeah, week, they I make a mistake that, that, and they that, try to overcompensate that, for this hmm. the next week. So basically, that like they end up creating a bigger mess and like making it more confusing for everyone involved. So it's kind of pain in yep, the ass yep. right now. I was kind of in for war when it did come out. I like I actually did a paper on it in my like university as well. But now I'm just sick and tired of war. Man, man but it's here to stay though. No, it's, it's never it was. going I don't back. Mind. It's never going back. Yeah, I know. Sadly, it's not. But then, can keep that. Like, here's how I down. see it. Um, previously, during a game, you used to complain about the referees, no, and now you have to complain about the referees man, and VAR. So it's like double the, double the tension, you know. Man, dude. But I think that's good. that's think a good this... enough segment for our VAR this week, right? Because if you want to go on and talk about it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's another three episodes is what I would. <laughs> that's it for VAR this week, folks. <laughs> so that's it for VAR this week. <laughs>
tune in uh, next week for our latest yeah, episode tune in next one. week when var somehow fucks up the milan derby yeah <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. what do you guys think about your europa league win coming to the europa league boy like both our teams are in the europa league we spoke enough about bro i mean league. if teams if teams have still not learned that uh, that if you press against us we'll counter you and we'll score if your press is not i don't think press is the key though i think line line, line is a better i'm so yeah that's that's what i meant to say good segue into yeah. a sort of something i've been observing which is i mean is very apt that we're talking about changing of guard is the fact that spanish teams i think are losing their way in europe I, it's the cycle dude <laughs> it's it's, of, it's the it's england yeah, england's is. back england's back as well as germany I wouldn't say so, dude. Because I think when Germany golden era was not golden era, but when Germany was yeah, dominant, uh, defending champions though of the Champions League. Yeah, no, but but it it was German football as a whole because um at that time Bayern were at it, Dortmund were at it. Um, I I don't know. I I just feel like the German football Bayern will always be a dominant force, but yeah. German football is not in a very strong situation right now. that's true cuz if they keep cannibalizing their own league and then the like the mm. players of their other teams no man listen like listen like it's like okay city are first and then you guys are second right it's like city try to buy, it's like city trying to buy bruno in the middle of the season and like you guys bending over that's not going to happen in the premier league ever like not ever but then it's not going to happen in the premier league anytime soon but like bundesliga it's a mess at this point It is, but I mean, there's some incredible talent in the Bundesliga right now. Incredible. All going to Bayern. Yeah, but there's some really good talent at Mönchengladbach, at uh, Leipzig, at uh, Dortmund, at uh, Frankfurt are having a good season. I think they're fourth or fifth. So I mean, there's some really good talent in the Bundesliga. What I wanted to sort of say, was, but you know, Spanish team. There was one more thing. Sorry. No, uh, no, go ahead. There was one more thing in the like weird Bundesliga. Like Dortmund signed a new coach, right? Uh, and Rosa, like, the, yeah, they, he he's already managing another. Yeah, yeah, he was already managing another team in Bundesliga, and they announced this halfway through the season. <laughs> like, it's just a mess, man. I don't think you should do that. That's a horrible thing to do. Like, it's just you're sickening, just no. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's just sad. So some really, really, really cool points that were brought up in this podcast. I think we have some uh, uh, talking points for the future episodes to come as well. um thank you listeners for getting on uh, and listening to the pod if you've reached all the way to the end um please uh, share uh, the link with your friends as well and keep tuning in for our next week's episodes until then enjoy the football and have a lovely week bye bye